Everybody ready? Yep. Yep. Honk okay. me in or honk yourself in. This isn't going well. There's, just, there's, just go. Just talk. There, there's your un- <laughs> unintentional humor right yeah. there. Honk yourself in. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. Before we get going, I want to quickly mention that yes, we did take a week off of Rhythm Encounter uh, earlier this month because at RPG fan we have three podcasts and we wanted to quickly get out an episode of Random Encounter to talk about Elden Ring and uh, I think that was the right call. So if you don't listen to Random Encounter, I would recommend our Elden Ring episode and any other episode but you know listen to our show first so yes that's the plan we are back on track now but we thought that was important to uh get out there and talk about so hello i am your host mike salvato as usual and today we are talking about composer kumi tanioka so maybe you know her as a composer or an arranger or a pianist or maybe you don't know her at all although Considering her contributions to Final Fantasy XI and the Crystal Chronicles series, I'm guessing you probably heard her work anyway, even if you don't know her by name. So that's what we're talking about today. And we have a really interesting and mixed lineup, mixed, diverse lineup of music. But it's not just me. Uh, joining me today, I have two co-hosts. With me first is Hilary Andruff. Hello there. And Patrick Gann. Hey, everybody. Hello. How are you two doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, I have been looking forward to talking about Kumitanioka and her work for I don't know as long as since we first pitched this idea in our uh, dusty back room, uh, <laughs> talking about oh who's a composer worth talking about. I think the last time we did a composer focused episode was what Yoko Shimomura. Yes, uh, which I. It embarrassed to say it was over a year ago, so uh, I'm really glad we're doing this now. Komi Tanioka is someone who, um, her quantity of work isn't as storied as, uh, you know, Nobuo Oematsu or, you know, Masayoshi Soken in recent years, but the quality of her work, both composer and arranger, and she, in both instances, she does a lot of piano work. Um, wow. Once you've heard her style and you know what she's about, you kind of want to stick around and hear everything she's got to offer. That's true. I'm actually, a uh, quick little sidebar here, this was not in my notes, but I'm glad you mentioned uh, Soken because I couldn't actually bring it on, but you know, Kumi shows up in really interesting places looking at her discography, and I noticed the other day that her and Soken did an arrangement of the Luigi's Mansion theme for uh, Mario Strikers, one of the Mario sports games, which I'm like, I had no idea these two work together at all, let alone on something for Nintendo. Yeah, it's it's insane, the, the kind of weird pairings you find. Um, and the fact that, like, she's officially considered part of, like, Yasunori Mitsuda's Millennial Fair because of the work she did on To Far Away Times, mm. and also maybe the Chrono Orchestra set. Like, she, she finds she sort of finds her way into all kinds of different scenes and adds something magical whenever she shows up. And I think uh, what we're going to offer today in the show kind of highlights that. Definitely. And I think that that really fits given the fact that she's, you know, a talented composer, arranger and performer. I think originally um, what she studied was 
performance, but then she shifted over to composition because she realized that's what she wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, not everyone hits all of those things, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's exciting. All right. I think that was a good introduction. Then we should talk about some music. So our our first block here is we have music from Hillary and Pat. So we're starting with you, Hillary. What do we have? I am bringing on Gustaberg, which is some neat environmental music from Final Fantasy XI. And then Pat is following that up with another Final Fantasy. Yes, uh, the Piano Collections version of Monster Run. Um, it's a piano duet. And uh, it's interesting, That was a, I think that was part of the 20th anniversary HD remaster, because uh, this Piano Collections otherwise sort of came out of nowhere. This album came out just last year, and the game's much older than that. Right. I guess it wasn't 20th anniversary, but like long break. Long break, yeah. Like 17 or 18 years. It was something (laughs) insane. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go listen to Gustaberg and Monster Rond. Thank you. 
Luxembourg is just a really, really nice song to listen to. But I also picked it because it gives the opportunity to talk about two things that I think are important if we're talking about Kumi Tanioka, which are her work on Final Fantasy XI and the fun live music around that because she did a lot of it. Um, but also her penchant for world music and how she brought her style to composing for an MMO because that's a little bit different than composing for other types of games. Um, it's got a more atmospheric sound with subtle instrumental shifts. There's a little bit of a less prominent melody so it can play on when you need it to. Um, and in this song, I just love the way the percussion and summing, strumming strings and the wind melody mix. Um, and this melody also feels pretty s- relatively slow and drawn out, which is a little bit less typical of her, but we might hear a little bit more of it in a couple of other selections. Um, but it's beautiful and effective. So that's just kind of a summary of why I picked it. What did you all think? I would say, you know, if we were going to pull anything from her work on Eleven, this is like the definitive track. I would say, Hillary, like you literally made the right choice. <laughs> oh. um, she, uh, Tanioka has, uh, so I, some people know this, some don't. Um, Nobuo Ematsu for 10 and 11 uh, split the, the compositional work uh, into, he didn't do it solo. He was one third of a three person team. <laughs> With 10, it was uh, Masashi Amusu and uh, uh, Junya Nakano. Yep. And with 11, uh, it was him, uh, Naoshi Mizuta, and Kumi Tanioka. Naoshi Mizuta, probably not known at the time, but we know now, would go on to compose for the rest of the game's history, the rest of its expansions. Um, I don't know if it will ever have a full expansion again. It's pretty unlikely, but he, he composed a great deal of work after that. But Kumi Tanioka, while she stopped composing after the base game... Um, she went on to continue to do a lot of arrangement and performance. She was part of uh, the the sort of official band that Eleven had, the Star Onions. It's kind of like the Primals, but instead of like a heavy rock band, it was a, I don't know how you would describe the Star Onions, kind of a folk style. Yeah, and that's very befitting of her as well. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. much so. And then um, she would also, at the Japanese... Uh, Final Fantasy XI Vanifest and the equivalent in America, the FanFest. Um, she would do piano solo performances, uh, none of which were ever officially captured or recorded uh, uh, and presented to the world in any way. Hmm. Um, I, If anyone wants to hear more details about how amazing she was live doing Final Fantasy XI work, uh, check out the show notes um, for our piano focused episode encounter rhythm counter 70 black and white magic um you'll hear a lot more about uh kumi tanioka and how awesome she is live but yeah gustaberg i think the the thing you said about world music just the use of the pitch percussion the like xylophone marimba sound yep like that is the defining feature of that song and as someone who played that game a ton it's just really interesting that as the game expanded and there were new expansions and you go places there was something so comfortable about going back to the base game, and especially Gustaberg, which is the in, sort of intro environmental zone where you could fight outside of the main town of Bastok, one of the three main towns at the start of the game. That music never got old. Every player that I knew, you know, like, you could, you'd leave the, the music on mute, but if you went through Gustaberg, you usually turn your music back on because it's that good. <laughs> um, it's just, it's such a beautiful song, and... Considering how early that was, 
uh, in her career as a composer. If you look at where FF11 is on her timeline right. or her discography on BGMDB, like for her to have something that solid and that beautiful down that early on is just so impressive to me. Right, yeah. especially given you know who she was working with and and all of that. Right. I mean, before yeah. that, it's, let's see. It's the third. It's right here. It's like it's the third thing she's credited for. Um, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, interestingly, some like sportsy fighting games and dice to chocobo. It looks like, and then boom, eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's just wild. It's a beautiful song too. I could I could listen to Gooseberg on loop, like probably like falling asleep, like to put on like a ten hour loop on YouTube or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, the YouTube it's, ten it's, hour extension. It's beautiful, and it's it's really interesting that you picked what Pat would call the definitive one, since. Of the three of us, Pat is the one person that's played 11 here. So, you know, get a good sense there. Thanks. I mean, I heard it and I went, yep, yeah. this is beautiful and it sounds like her. I'm going for it. You know, I, I knew about the Star Onions too. It, I never really connected in my head that they, it was a similar kind of thing to what they've done with the Primals in 14. Um, and now that I know that the two of them have worked together... Can, can we start a petition to get Tanioka and Soken to do some like weird combined thing? A band cross? Oh, Battle of the Bands? With yeah, like, fo- like folk, folk, no, folk rock music. They have to start, how do you combine the Star Onions and the Primals? The Primal Onions? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I would really want, honestly, is, um, I mean, we've seen, and we're going to talk more about how good Tanioko does with duets. I'd love for her to work with Keiko on the like oh. piano side of those Primal albums where Keiko does the piano work arrangements for yeah yeah so if it was like a duet with uh keiko and kumi tanioka now that would be fantastic yeah all right so starting the wish list of things yeah. you want kumi tanioka to do <laughs> i have a huge wish list <laughs> that i send to square enix like every two weeks on twitter <laughs> to make this album okay 10 percent of what i ask for happens and it has nothing to do with my asking for it so it's good luck right yeah but you know Someone's asking for all those Saga albums, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) It is me, isn't it? It is. Anyway, um, what am I going to say about this one? Uh, You know, until I looked at her discography, I don't think it really occurred to me that Final Fantasy XI and Crystal Chronicles released so close together, like only a year apart. Um, Because, you know, I didn't didn't play XI, so I know of her music a little bit in XI, but I'm definitely, you know, to me, like, I think of Crystal Chronicles first. Um, and I think it's interesting that at least the very beginning of the song, like there is some instrumentation that makes me think of Crystal Chronicles, but I know it's other than that, I don't think they're really similar at all. I just thought it was, it was kind of like, Hey, this is a familiar sound at, at least somewhat. Um, and then it goes into something else that's more airy, I guess, which maybe works since it's a desert or an arid kind of region. Right. So, but I think it works. I think that, that sense of like, this like sparseness or open airy space kind of comes through in her in her song here so yeah i think that's kind of that like long drawn out melody yeah that Mm -hmm. that feel yeah gustaberg is like a very um sort of rocky and dusty kind of area okay like there's a lot of mines around it kind of deal um and yeah when you go into it it's 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 sparse and it's it's nice visually, but what makes it beautiful, honestly, is the music. And that's definitely a trend we're going to be seeing, I think, is like her music elevating and really bringing out the beauty in, in the various games that she composes for. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like Crystal Chronicles. Yeah, it's a big example. Mike, you want to start on this one? Because <laughs> you probably know Crystal Chronicles the best of the three of us. Oh, don't say that. 
I mean, I'd like to say I do. I just, I've listened to the music way more than I played the game. You know, my brother and I played the game back when it came out and we just, for some reason, we never finished it. Maybe it's because we got tired of hooking up our Game Boys to the GameCube. I think think that's the reason. Um, Probably is. I mean, it was like years and years later, we finally were like, you know what? We need to finish this. So I have finished it now, um, somewhere in like the, you know, late 2000s. Um, But, you know, I've listened to the soundtrack. I've been listening to the soundtrack almost since then. So for a very long time. Um, And so for me, like, it's impossible to think about her and not think about the first game and um you know and you know part of it is because of the many things besides you know playing with my brother and playing doing that weird thing with all the game boys and hooking it up like the music has really made a major impression on me because at the time i don't think i'd really heard anything exactly quite really like it <laughs> exactly quite really like it that's that's uh that's something if I was written down in a review that Hillary would edit out. Um, <laughs> We'd hope so. Yes, yes. No, she would. She would catch that and be like, you have too many words here, Mike. <laughs> um, but yeah, like some of like the strange or unexpected instruments, especially. Um, I was listening to it today just to find an example, but Village of Origin is one. So I'm not sure what the instrument is. Like sometimes it almost sounds like a... I know it's not a kazoo. I don't think there's a kazoo, but just... There's a few songs that just, it has a really interesting sound to it. But um, anyway, so you, you can't, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the original songs. And um, I was, I would have brought that here, but you did this piano one and I'm glad you did. Um, <laughs> l- l- like you said earlier, like, I don't, I'm sure the only reason this came out is because of the remastered version of the game. And, you know, I, I haven't played the remastered. I heard like some parts are good, some aren't because the weird way they did multiplayer. But, you know, whether... Whether you like the remastered one or not, the fact is, if that didn't happen, I don't think we would have got this arrangement album. So I'm glad we did. And it's definitely an amazing and fascinating album because Tanioka includes a lot of piano in her music, but her concept for Crystal Chronicles was also kind of like a world folk medieval mm-hmm. hybrid, just kind of like using some unique instruments to play some like medieval folky sounding music so to go back and work on making that to strictly piano arrangements even though that is her you know primary instrument was if you read the liner notes it's a really really interesting process for her oh shoot i didn't read those yet yeah yeah and and i give the shout out whenever i can for the last like three years now square enix music has been printing their liner notes in uh japanese and english yeah so whenever there's composer arranger interviews um it's all there. It's very import friendly. Um, so this is just one of many albums where it's like, hey, I understand what's going on and it really adds value. Yeah, I think it does. Like, I just I do have a lot of appreciation for the album because I know how how much work she did to kind of craft the sound of the original game. And it's an amazing original sound, honestly. Like so many games kind of have try to have some vaguely medieval sounding music, but like she really nailed it in a way that I think few other games have. Yeah. Um, and then just going back and changing that so successfully as well. I don't know. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> All right. I got to read those notes now. Yeah. It's right. interesting because, because melodically one would think with, with piano being her, um, you know, her primary instrument, what she, um, you know, trained in even classically, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm almost certain that you know when she was composing melodies for Crystal Chronicles, she was probably doing it on a piano or keyboard. Um, but uh, the OST, of course, and and this is another thing. If anyone can 
get a hold of the Crystal Chronicles original soundtrack, um, in those liner notes, there's either a two-page spread or there might be over four pages. It has pictures of every instrument used in the game. Um, I, I think they're synthesized, but it's a synthesized equivalent of these of these instruments. Um, and you know what the instrument's name is, uh, and a little bit about it. And um, I had been studying ethnomusicology in college at the time, and I was familiar with like you know world music through like the sort of uh, Celtic and Eastern European and Middle Eastern stuff that you got from like um, like Xenogears and the arranged album Creed and mm-hmm. um, Suikoden II's uh, Orisante uh, arranged album and then the Celtic and Asian collection albums that came after that. Um, but this was stuff that I literally knew nothing about, like half the instruments I'd never heard of before. Um, and so, Mike, what you said earlier about you'd never heard anything near quite blah, 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 lots of words. Yes, that's, that's probably true because no one's probably ever, you know, tried to intentionally work um, these instruments, which came from different cultures and different time periods, all into one soundtrack. And so it really did create a unique soundscape. And I think everyone who played the game noticed it and video game music fans definitely noticed it. So to compose melodies and then translate it into this unique form and then go, okay, I'm going to pull it back to piano. Uh, Tanioka had the unenviable task of, instead of pulling it back, to actually build on forward in the limited soundscape of the piano. Um, and that's that's a lot of work. You know, you don't just want to just decorate. Like, there's a lot to build. And I think that's probably why four of the 10 tracks in the piano collection are uh, duets and not solo. Um, so she self-arranged this uh, album and, and performs her own arrangements, but four of the ten songs, and this is one of them, uh, she's doing a duet with Yui Morishita, who uh, he himself is a, just an incredible pianist, and we'll be bringing him up again uh, before this episode's over. So Monster Rond, which I think is a boss battle theme, or it might just be standard battle music. Mike, do you know? I don't know. Offhand, I don't remember. I, it's, it's, it's battle music. Yeah. Um, it is wild and intense and it definitely would I, I can't imagine it doing the job with just one person i think tanya Oka knew that and that's why she was like all right if this is going to work i'm going to need we're going to need four hands because i mean you, you gotta hit and kick the actual piano to to make some things happen which i believe they do do a bit of that on here <laughs> um i don't know if it's on this track but they definitely do it on the album <laughs> piano um, is percussion <laughs> yeah it's uh the i can't remember the term for it but when you use an instrument in a secondary way for um percussive purposes there's a term for it you can do it with guitars too right like you just smack the guitar string players do it all the time they bounce the bow on the strings yeah yeah exactly and so I think she knew, like, yeah, we're going to have to do that if we're going to try to recreate recreate anything as sort of wild and fun and folksy as Crystal Chronicles was. So is it a, is it a piano duet or a piano duel then? You know, I don't... <laughs> I, it's interesting. I think they're, these are technically duets. Um, I noted this in the Black and White Magic episode. Um, if it's listed as duo or duel, it means they were performing on two separate pianos uh, whereas if it's a duet it's two people sitting at the same bench on one piano which okay. means less room for crossover right right gotcha all right boy i gotta go find my original album now all right so i gotta look at the liner notes <laughs> for the 
piano and the original because I want to see because I've not looked at those in a long time. I need to look at those instruments myself. Yeah. That's really neat. Are those in English? I'm guessing no. they aren't. No, yeah. <laughs> from 18 years. I think uh, the names of the instruments might be listed in English. Okay, yeah, so we can good. look them all up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, VGMDB probably has full packaging scans, which I think it's legal for them to have. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't host it. Yeah. <laughs> So people no. can go there to check it out. I, sh I should quickly, since we're talking liner notes and you mentioned the English ones, I I don't feel like I would be a, a good friend if I didn't also point out the fact that uh, former RPG fan music managing editor Stephen Meyerink is also shows up in several of those credits now. If you've picked up any of the last few uh, Final Fantasy XIV albums, uh, he, is, he has been translating not only liner notes, but, and this is, a shout out to Steven, but also one thing I like, I want to point out that first they've been doing Blu-ray soundtracks for Final Fantasy 14. And for a while now they've had like on screen, like composer comments. And those have always been Japanese for the longest time. And it's only, I think since last year where they've actually started translating those now, like on the disc, um, which is another credit to them. So again, yeah. really important friendly. Because I've always wanted to read those. That was a huge policy change, and I noticed that I noted that in my upcoming review of Orchestral Saga Live Disc, they have English subtitles for um, that concert, which you know Octopath didn't have it, the Near concerts didn't have it. Mm. So I, I think this was a, a recent uh, decision making and policy change. And yeah, I don't know what all Stephen has been contracted to do with Square Enix, but I know he's done. A great deal in the last few years and uh i know it's not just him but him and many others who are not just enriching us by bringing games themselves to an english-speaking market but also um products and merchandise around it um you yeah. know music graphic novels and whole books hmm. have been brought to english i think of like near near's had like three novels released in english right um and so yeah the, there's good localization people out there, and I think we're really blessed to have had someone who worked with us for so long. We've had multiple people move on, him and Derek, and uh, yeah, it's just really exciting. It is. I, I don't know if Derek has done any of the Square Enix stuff, but I know Steven has. Right. I mean, I know what I'm allowed to talk about, and that's stuff yeah. that has been printed with names in them. Right. Um, yeah. If you see the names in the credits and you go, yep, they did that. Yep. Thank you so much, Stephen, and everyone who's doing the wonderful work of bringing us more music commentary because it is so, so appreciated. Yeah, it is. All right. Should we talk about Shenmue, which is definitely not something I planned on talking about today? Yeah, Shenmue. What, is, what does Kumi Tanioka have to do with that interesting? You would be surprised. I, I know, right? I was. <laughs> Um, I, I mentioned earlier on that like my first thought, of course, was Krista Chronicles when I was picking songs for this episode. But because that was claimed and Eleven got claimed, I, I had to go a little off the rails. So I was really digging to try to find something unexpected. So I cannot comment on Shenmue at all because I have not played it. But when I saw that she was on this Shenmue piano collection, I, I had to at least look and see what the deal was. And when I found out that not only did she work on this but emmy evans did the vocals um i knew i had to bring it on so that is what we're playing did i even mention the name yet i didn't no. so the song is wish from shenmue piano chronicles and in that song kumi tanioka is performing the role of arranger and pianist <laughs> yes and then pat has another well for me unexpected choice today after that yes uh i have a 
track from a Japanese-only game that came out in 2005 called Code Age Commanders. Um, fully composed by Komitani Oka, a PS2 game that most people probably haven't heard of. The track we're listening to is called Zarok Terminal, uh, with a black star at the end. And <laughs> that's important, and I'll explain why afterwards. Okay. It's specifically a black star? Uh, it's a filled-in star. A filled-in star, okay. Yeah, as composed right. to a hollow star. Yeah. Okay. Just checking, because like, if someone's reading our show notes in dark mode... Right, then it know. would be white star, yeah. All right, so let's go listen to Wish and Zarok Terminal filled-in star. She. <laughs> 
Um, so we've never had Shenmue music on the show, as far as I know. I really should have made sure of that, but I'm pretty sure we haven't. And if we had, it's been a very long time. Um, I know I've never brought one on, but... Um, now I want to do a sega theme show so I can throw on one of my favorite Shenmue tracks. Oh, why have we never done a Sega episode? That'd be interesting. It would. There's a lot of good Sega content musically that we could cover. That's true. It'd be a good throwback to our first two episodes of Rhythm Encounter, which were all Fantasy Star-based. Nice. <sighs> Wait, Good stuff. were they? Or Dreamcast? I don't know. I think it was both. I remember there being a lot of Fantasy Star. There was a lot of Sega early on. Um, but this song, uh, I was I was interested because it was something different and something I didn't know she worked on. And then, of course, once I saw that Emmy Evans did vocals, I'm like, well, this this was an easy choice. So I don't I don't know much about Shenmue itself. Um, my knowledge of Shenmue's story basically starts and ends with sailors and forklifts. <laughs> the Mega 64 parody <laughs> episode. Um, I'll say this, though. like, Not that we're really here to talk about Emmy Evans exactly, but you know, she's part of the song, so I'm going to. Um, this is not what I'm used to uh, from her. It's it's almost, I don't want to say it's safe or just, Hillary, you, you had a word for it the other day. Just say it's more like a, do I want to say ballad? Did you say ballad? I mean, the type of song? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not what I'm usually, oh, the kind of song I usually hear her singing. Oh, definitely. Um, but I like it. Like, it's it was surprising um, to hear her sing something so different from what I'm used to, especially from Nier. Um, but I like, it's it's just, it's pretty. It has this, like, light feeling. Um, yeah, know, her vocals really complement the piano work. It's 
it's got a light feel, but it's not near ethereal light. No, no, it's just kind of like happy and wistful kind of. I assume it's is it a romance song? Is it just a? I I, I have to imagine it's something like that, some kind of relationship based song. But I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful song. Well, I mean, ninety percent of the music in uh, Shenmue is just sort of either atmospheric or incidental, and, and not necessarily themed around particular actions or things like romance. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, if you've played Shenmue, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and when I'm thinking of the song "Wish," um, yeah, that might be um, related to the one girl that uh, the main character is like crushing on during the game, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was an it was an interesting choice from uh, the OST to pull Wish into the piano collection. I think it, it was kind of a no-brainer, but even so, like I think it was interesting the way Tanioka went for the arrangement, um, which is to say, I think she made her role equal to Emmy's. Often, when you're doing a vocal piece, um, piano piano is accompaniment right, right. right. by definition supporting the voice yeah right you're there to to help you know add some structure to the vocal performance and make it a real song um but this isn't that in my opinion this is this is equal parts uh pianist and vocalist both both shine in different ways and i think mm-hmm. there's an obvious instrumental section um and even during the parts where she is accompanying Emmy uh, Kumitanioka does not, um, you know, hold back on decorative flourishes and uh, just general impressive stuff that uh, makes me both joyous and envious. <laughs> Regarding Emmy's vocals, um, outside of her work on Near, she does do uh, what I would consider like it feels like two different voices. Um, she has. Um, this original band project that's with her now husband, then boyfriend. Uh, I don't know if they've recorded anything in ages, but they were called Freescape. And that stuff sounded a lot like Nier. But then she did vocals for a couple of other Japanese games prior to Nier. And she's done some vocals for some visual novels recently, where it does feel a little more like simple, safe, and pulled back. Um, If you want the earliest example of that that I know of, there is a vocal album uh, released separate from the OST for a PS2 game called Steambot Chronicles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. yeah. Yeah, this was called uh, the game was called Bumpy Trot in Japan. Oh yeah. If you pick up the Bumpy Trot vocal album, it is five vocal tracks and they're and they're um, it's credited to um, Rebecca Evans. Um, her full name is Emiko Rebecca Evans, and so oh. she was going by Rebecca Evans at the time in 2005. And uh, you compare those vocals from Bumpy Trot to how Wish sounds here, and it's it's a very similar style where she's just sort of really just sort of holding back, keeping it very dulcet. Um, so that's mm. just something that I've noticed in like having followed her career pretty closely. All right, guess we got to bring a Bumpy Trot song on in a future <laughs> episode. Is that what it will take to get Marcos back? I feel like yes. I feel like if we say we're doing a bumpy trot episode, Marcos will just show up. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, wait. No. Hold on. Someone's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone say? <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
I think what you mentioned about this arrangement in the song being pretty equal parts piano and vocals, I think that's really important because it definitely musically has a lot of the trappings of like kind of a cheesy romance ballad, but I, I think the equal parts piano and vocals really helps to keep it from seeming like too too overwrought or too overdone or overdramatic. And it just sounds pretty and dulcet is a good word. I don't know. It I is enjoyed a, it a lot. It's a word that bears repeating, especially for a song like this. Mm-hmm. So who wants to talk about something that sounds completely different than that? Speaking of fantasy star. <laughs> yeah, like my, yeah, I mean, my, my main thing on this one is that it sounds completely different from anything I've heard from her. This is really interesting because this was probably her next, actually, did she do, was Crystal Chronicles before or after FF11? I think it was right after. Right. So she does Crystal Chronicles, which is like this very organic ethnic world music kind of thing. And then her her next follow up, another uh, soundtrack where she composed the whole thing on her own was this two disc soundtrack for a PS2 game that has fallen to obscurity called Code Age Commanders. And this game, if if you pull up trailers or gameplay footage of it, you'll see it's it, it feels a little bit like uh, Dot Hack or Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts, but uh, like in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 not a particularly good game. It was planned to be part of this whole slew of things. They were going to have, you know, anime and manga and some mobile games or handheld games. And, and all of that would have been uh, pinned on this game doing well in Japan, which it apparently did not, because uh, it was apparently a very bad and broken game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in my opinion, the soundtrack for it by Komitani Oka is very good. It is an electronic, synth, sort of industrial uh, soundtrack. And my favorite thing about it is that um, most of the album, maybe 70% of it, if you look at the track list, is just names of zones in the game, and there will be two stars, either a filled-in star or a hollowed-out star. So depending on what your font color is, you know, the star color would be black or white or whatever. But uh, the point is that depending on whether the star is hollow or filled determines um, how either how far you've progressed or... Um, I don't think there was, there was a time of day implementation in the game. So I was going to joke and say, is that an early version of the game? It's not time of day, but it might have been like a dimensional switch. Uh, that was part of the game's kind of, um, it was an at-will change of the zone. Um, hmm. Sort of like, think of like Light World, Dark World, and Link to the Past. Um, right. You know, hit the mirror and now you're in this version of it. And so that's how the music would change. So whenever you listen to the soundtrack it's really good to listen to these um zones in their paired tracks because you can get this really good feel of what she was going for and like okay this this version's less intense and this version's insane or in another case like oh they're both insane but you know this one is insane in a major key and this one's insane (laughs) in a minor key you know like um that sort of thing so i picked zorok terminal and um it's probably one of my favorites from there's like three zone themes that like to this day I still hold to is like some of uh, Tanioka's best original compositions um, and it again it also just just really demonstrates her diversity I think all of us know if you name a lot of composers you can sort of pick out uh, what their strengths are mm-hmm. and you wouldn't you would not expect 
this composition style to be a strength for her. Um, and unfortunately, I think I, either I'm I'm sort of alone in that opinion, or uh, what she is very well known for remains what people request of her when she is called on to compose. Um, but I think she's really good at this kind of music, the kind of stuff that I would expect out of like, you know, like Shinji Hosoe or Ayako Sasso, like, like yeah, she brought yeah. it mm -hmm. uh, in a way that most of the other like Square Enix composers, I don't think like this is in their wheelhouse. I shouldn't say that. There are plenty who are, but like if you think of like some of the old guard like Oematsu and Mitsuda, like this isn't their scene. Um, this would be the scene more of like um, uh, Mitsuda Suzuki um, or Ryo Yamazaki, some of the people who worked on the later Front Mission games. Um, so I just, I just love that this soundtrack exists, and I will never stop appreciating it for what it is, even though the game itself is worth forgetting. <laughs> My uh, my first note here is one of these things is not like the others. It's <laughs> exactly. This, it's this yeah. one. It's this one. Um, yeah. Uh, like I said, this is. N I've never heard anything like this out of her. I had no idea. Uh, if music can sound, uh, I'm doing you know air quotes here, which is really good podcast material. Um, <laughs> but if music can sound uh, sci-fi, I think this pulls it off. It has this. <sighs> I don't know, like some of the instrumentation is just sort of strange and just um, Hillary pointed it out. So I'm sorry if you wrote this down, uh, I'm stealing this a little bit, but it does have a little bit of a sound of some songs in Fantasy Star Online. Um, just that, that kind of weird, like science fiction sound. Um, but, you know, again, it's definitely its own thing. It just reminded us both of that a little bit. And, uh, and I think, I'm not sure if this is really one of the main reasons you brought it, but I think it was a perfect choice to bring on here and show like just the range of music that she can do because this is very, very unexpected. You know, even I didn't know about it. And it is really neat that you can listen to, you know, the things that she's known for, kind of the more folksy or Final Fantasy XI and, you know, the turnaround. And then there's also this, which is, yeah, I mean, she's pretty masterfully using some ambient noise, like really cool, more sci-fi effects in a way that like, to me, it, it, it sounded pretty much as polished as some stuff that I've heard in things like Dot Hacker, Fantasy Star Online. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm, I'm immediately ashamed that I didn't think of the comparison to Fantasy Star Online because I'm thinking <laughs> of, of the soundtrack to Episode 1 and 2 and like, oh, yeah, yeah. And that would have come out, um, I think PSO Episode 1 would have been out like a year before. Um, oh, okay. So they were they were pretty well peers chronologically. And, yeah. Um, I think yeah, the specific synth in Zarok Terminal is is on, is probably like from the same synth and sound bank used <laughs> in a couple of PSO tracks, and yeah, it's just a great sound. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we have one more block today. Um, this one is Hillary and me, Hillary and I. Sorry, what? me and Hillary. <laughs> H and M. Okay, let's okay. go with that. Anyway, so Hillary, you have our next song here. What do we got? Yes. I really wanted to bring back a piano duet um, because I just can't get over Kumitanyoka as a performer. So that is her main role in this one. It is another duet with um, Yui, and it's Girl Who Stole the Stars from the Chrono Orchestra Arrangement Box, the special piano disc 
I like how Chrono Orchestra and Box all have to be in caps, but arrangement does not. Yes. Oh boy. Okay. Um, yeah, I maintain that the piano disc is the, my favorite part of that. Oh yeah, by far. Absolutely. Um, all right. So as we we opened with Final Fantasy, we're closing with at least Final Fantasy adjacent. Another one that I didn't expect, uh, a song from the newest Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, unless another one came out that I don't know about. But um, <laughs> I have uh, Dungeons of Lost Time, uh, Kumi Tanioka's sole composition for Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, Everybody. So um, it was a nice little surprise for me, and hopefully it is for some other people too. So let's go listen to The Girl Who Stole the Stars and Dungeons of Lost Time.
Alright, so as I mentioned before, this is all to spotlight Kumi Tanioka's performance. Um, this is a very well-loved song. It has a very specific mood that's tricky to capture with a single instrument. Um, and this arrangement, especially the performance, captures it really nicely. It's kind of like a broody background with like a wistful, kind of bright at times melody. Um, and there's just so much about this version that I love. The little, I know we call it a trill on a string instrument, but probably a different name on a piano, but the kind of rolling notes that go back and forth, uh, the melodic phrasing. And one thing I think they really captured in this arrangement that I want to mention is like the shifting dynamics. This is kind of like a subtle song in that respect. In order to make it sound kind of capture that right mood, there are some kind of times when it like gets louder, gets softer, but it's, it's kind of subtle. And I think it's really cool the way they nailed this as a duo. It's just really well balanced. And I also really like the cute Chrono Trigger call out right before the three minute mark. Yeah, you know, and until you pointed that out, I never caught that before in this in this song. What is the call out? Is it the Chrono Trigger main theme? It's uh well it it depends on how you spell it. Um if you're like me typing into uh your music app about half an hour ago, <laughs> it's uh uh Shella's theme. Oh um, uh, right, right, right. Yes. But yeah. if you if you use the right vowels, uh it's it's something else. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's really interesting about that is um, they do the opposite on the um, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross uh, arranged album that Millennial Fair did. Uh, the album's called To Far Away Times. And um, they did Shala's theme. And in fact, I think on that track, it's um, Laura, Laura Shigihara's doing the vocals, which is like, that's so cool that she was on an official Square Enix oh, album. Yeah. Yay. Like, how cool is that? Um, and if you listen to that track, I think it's track four, um, they sneak in uh, about a 15 second uh, melodic reference to Girl Who Stole the Stars. So they thought to do it there. And then I think like this would have been like two or three years right later that they did the Chrono Arrange. Uh, orchestra range box uh um they they switched it back you and the arranger on this uh was like oh we should fit the other melody back in and and if you know what's going on in chrono trigger and chrono cross you know exactly why you would do that and it's neat to see that connection reflected musically and i think actually that's not they do something similar somewhere else in this box arrangement too i think it's there's a mix of quarters of time and Salas theme, right? In one of the other tracks on one of the non-piano discs. Yeah, I think on yeah, on the Chrono Trigger um mm -hmm. orchestral album. They do they do some very good layering. Yeah. Um and this is a soundtrack that's that's very friendly to that sort of thing. Yep. Like uh I hate to say this, but real quick, Square Enix acoustic arrangements does uh, a Magus's theme, Magus battle theme, and they sneak Frog's theme into it. Oh. Like very like just for like two measures at a time um, at three different points. Like you just feel Frog fighting back against him. It's it's so smart. I bet when Mitsuda already probably blew his brain. He was just like, whoa! <laughs> so smart. Uh, so smart. Shoot. Okay. That sounds I need amazing. that album. They don't have that one yet. It's a good album. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, can I real quick uh, talk about why I love this track? Nope. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yes, please go ahead. It's, it's not a quick conversation. There's so much to love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girl Who Stole the Stars is, yeah, it's in like the top five most like emotionally evocative songs ever as far as game music goes. Like, um, but part of what makes it so good is the instrumentation, which 
you have in the OST, you have in um, like the reference into Faraway Times, you have it in the full orchestra, but like to pull it off um, with just one instrument, just the piano, is extremely difficult. Um, and I was worried when I saw this in the track list, like mm-hmm. before the album had come out, I, and you know I was waiting for it in the mail and all that. I'm just like, oh, like this is my favorite song, but how do you do it justice on just a piano? Like you, you really need like um, some sort of like Celtic tin whistle or Yulian pipes or something. Like how are you going to do this? Or like a violin at least, right? Um, and what you talked about with the trills for for sustaining a note but adding tension. Um, yes, that was one of the keys uh, <laughs> so. to making it work. And I think the other key was uh, you needed two people. You couldn't mm-hmm. this another just like with Monster on which again the same two people. This time Yui Morishita is doing the arrangement, but it's um, Kumi and Yui together performing. And um, Monster on, of course, is a very uh, upbeat, fast tempo track and. Girl Who Stole the Stars is like sort of the opposite in terms of mood, feel, and tempo. Um, but this isn't as subdued as I was worried it would be. You you kind of need you talked you talked about um, Hillary, you talked about like the importance of the dynamic shift mm-hmm. from soft to loud. That's what I was afraid of when I saw that this yep. was going to be on this disc. Was like, well, it's a soft song, but you're going to be too soft. You're not you're not going to be able to sell. Um, what makes this melody so good. Right, or it's going to be jarring because piano can go from very soft to very loud. Yeah, the pianoforte, that's its deal. Um, but they strike a, a very impressive balance, mm-hmm. um, and I ended up liking it a great deal. It may not be my favorite of the four tracks um, on that disc, but uh, yeah, it is still very, very good, and I love that uh, I now get to associ- associate Kumi Tanioka with Chrono Cross. Yeah, she's sneaking in there too. Yeah, that whole—I mean, just that whole box. It's—I I, always—I need to listen to it again more. I, I don't know if I gave it a fair chance the first time around because I think the whole thing is just a beautiful collection of music, like musically and physically, because it's one of my favorite boxes on the shelf. <laughs> um, and and I know I've said this before at some point on on this show, I'm sure that I like it. I like all the arrangements. I enjoy listening to them. I think I got spoiled because this came out four years after to far away times. And that is probably still my favorite of like every arrangement I've heard of either game. Like that album is just the top. That album is, it is ridiculous how good it is. It's equivalent for me. It's equivalent to the album Creed for Xenogears. It's a yes. millennial fair yep. album of perfection. <laughs> it is. So like, it's not really fair to compare this, but you know, this came out after. So of course I'm going to compare it to what I heard before. Right. So, like, the first two discs are great arrangements. I just I need to separate them and not compare them, just listen to them on their own merits. However, the third disc, the piano disc that this is from, that um, you can only get on the physical edition, as far as I know. I don't think there's a digital or any other way to get it anymore. You can't get it digitally, and because it was the bonus disc, you know, you could buy the orchestral album separately, but... You couldn't buy this separately, which is almost mean because it's, it's, <laughs> I think we all agree. It's the best part of the yeah. box set. It is. It's, it's fantastic. Um, it's, it's so good. I, I'm the only thing I could say bad about it is that it's only four tracks. Yeah. Um, I would love a, I would love a full 40 minutes of that. Yeah. Um, but 
every if they're only going to pick four though like those are four solid songs to pick mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. every one of those like land in like my top three songs in each of the chrono games so i, I can't complain about the choices uh, and then of course this is this is one of them i don't know if i have much most of my notes are about just gushing about the album and this disc in general not as much <laughs> the track but you guys covered the track itself so. yeah hillary explained what makes it work oh well, thank you <laughs> yeah functionally you know just go back and listen to it dear listener and then you'll be like oh yeah hillary hillary understands the workings of this very well and trill is the right term okay for, good you know, as well yeah. oh it is okay <laughs> yeah i mean hillary understanding the workings of music in general oh like, my that's, gosh it's stop. a good general statement stop why do you I think? Tend, what do you think? I'm I always want inclined you, to agree. Yeah. Why do you think I always want you on this show? Aww, thank you. Both of you. Yes. Aww, thanks, Mike. <laughs> on that note, uh, during our little break here, Pat corrected me on well, added more contact, added info, yeah. added info. So this last song from uh, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, everybody. Uh, this makes a little more sense that Kumi Tanioka didn't technically compose this for everybody. She actually composed it for. A Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon game on the Wii from, oh, I already forgot the year. 2007. Thank you, 2007. Um, it came out later in America uh, under the title, I think it was, was it Final Fantasy Fables colon Chocobo's Dungeon? Yes, Final Fantasy Fables. So I missed that one. I when still it came have out it here. somewhere. Oh, do we? I think I do. Okay. It's a good game. Um, so yeah, so technically she composed it for that and it was rearranged for everybody. Um, but, you know. Either way, it's still her song, so it still counts for this episode. Yep. Um, plus, you know, I don't have notes written down for the other one, okay? So, but, you know, there's, I'm sure we all know, but there's been a lot of renditions of the Chocobo song. I mean, there's whole albums of Chocobo music. So, um, and I have heard, I can't, I won't claim to have heard all of them, but I've heard a lot of them. I've I've heard that Chocobo album. Um, it's a good album. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's neat hearing them all together. Um, I also would recommend if you can check it out. This is unrelated, and I would, didn't plan on mentioning this, but the arrangement of Techno de Chocobo on Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster, uh, very fun. Hmm. Um, it's from I can't put my finger on it, so I, maybe I'll talk about it in the, our next Rhythm Encounter. But it's they pulled in some stuff from one of the arrangements of that song, which was unexpected. Anyway, um, so even with all the Chocobo music I have heard, different arrangements, there's always there's always something new, apparently. And uh, and here it is. Um, I really like how the original melody, the Chocobo melody, like bookends the song. Mm-hmm. Like it starts off with it and ends with it. And but you know the middle part, most of the song is just this really just kind of like moody, atmospheric, mysterious song that feels like it would be. You know, it'd be a good backdrop for like um, a mysterious dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then then t- when you get towards the end, like when the Chocobo melody comes back in and, you know, Hillary, you pointed out like the bass, the bass, this really deep, but kind of quiet bass going at the end there. Um, yeah. it's And con- like that wind down section is like a full like 30, 40 seconds. It has a pretty long wind down section. The wind up section, I think, is not quite as long. Oh. and. Yeah, I I would not expect like a mysterious version of the Chocobo theme to work so well, but the way they kind of weave it in with the chord progression mm-hmm. and the twinkly kind of sound, I think actually works really well. And yes, I don't know which Chocobo found the Horn of Gondor, <laughs> <laughs> but there's just this 
constant, like, really low for maybe, I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute of the song. And you don't actually notice it unless you're really, like, listening to the different parts. But I don't know. I thought that was neat. You realize I have to try to get commissioned some artwork of a chocobo <laughs> blowing the Horn of Gondor for this episode, right? We're contacting Steph for that, aren't we? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll talk to her. Yeah, she'll do it. <laughs> I need to see that badly. Um, yeah, I think, I think this was a really good uh, track for... Uh, this episode again you know my goal and my hope was um, to show both the breadth and depth of uh, Tanioka's work and to do it across you know six songs in a single podcast episode I think is um, it's a pretty bold move and I, I don't know that it, we entirely did it because she's done a ton of great work and I'm sure there's other aspects of her work that we're just fully missing um, but I think we did a really good job selecting um, I was very proud of my pick from Code Age, but oh, yeah. um, by, by picking this Chuckabo song, you know, there's there's something, um, I mean, her sort of uh, folk and uh, interesting instrumental choice kind of stuff is there, but also this is more of a, a sort of like, um, I feel like this is sort of like a very like standard RPG theme song. Mm-hmm in ways that none of the other tracks we selected are. Um, like, honestly, not by a long shot. This one feels a lot more like, when I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah. And again, this was the title theme. This was the main theme for um, Final Fantasy Fables. Um, it's track one on that game's OST. Um, and so it got upgraded and reused on everybody. Um and the sound of it is just, um, I don't want to use the word, word orchestral because it's not a full orchestra, but um, there's something very just like, it feels a lot like sort of like Western classical composition. It's less ethnic worldy than what we heard from Gustaberg on Eleven or uh, for what she did on Crystal Chronicles. It's... it's um, a little more like, oh, if I wanted sort of just a whimsical fantasy track, um, what would it sound like? And you can go back to her first work with Square, um, which is actually Chuck Bell's Mysterious Dungeon 2 for PlayStation 1. She did about a third of that soundtrack. And I think that soundscape uh, of what she composed there is also similar to what she did for um, Fables, which again is this song on everybody. So great song selection mike and i'm really glad uh that we were able to include it well thank you i mean i thought you know it would be a good throwback too given that that's where she started was with the mm-hmm. chocobo games yep. yeah so yeah i i um i actually would feel a little more strongly than you about what you said earlier you know just to toot our own horn of gondor here but i think it was you know thanks to both of you i think it was a really good you know, range of things we covered here. So I, I'm happy about it for sure. So now oh, that's the episode. Let's go home. Oh, wait, oh, no, hang on, hang on. Already. I have stuff to do. So we do hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. I think both of you did. I had fun. Yeah, um, I actually have a couple side comments, if that's okay, just about some of her other random work that's really, oh, really okay. neat. Uh, so I recently listened to her, like her solo piano album that isn't really video game related called sky's the limit and it's really good 
So if you're looking yeah. for just some nice piano music, definitely check that out. Um, and in other kind of random projects she's done, she's done some music for fairy tales. Like she's credited with doing Snow White, The Ugly Duckling, and Hansel and Gretel, which I think is just worth mentioning because when I think of her, I think of Crystal Chronicles first, which does kind of put me along that fairy tale track. So I thought was that was cool. Yeah. Should we mention that last credit, by the way? Her most recent video game credit? Yes. And that was one of the other things. Okay. That is the third <laughs> thing. I was going to mention is um, like some other, you know, famous video game composers, she's kind of done work with some smaller studios on like more indie games recently. She did some music for Half Minute Hero. Um, And then you want to mention that one? I mean, I'm not sure that's small anymore, but yeah. No, well, no. Okay. Well, this one isn't. Yeah. That's what I was talking. Oh, I was going to talk about Minecraft. Were you going to talk about Yeah. No, Half Minute Hero was like more of the indie game, but also. Yeah. Those, I guess Western game. Okay. Yeah. Minecraft Caves and Cliffs with Lena Rain. Yeah. Like, so she's kind of like transitioned over into like doing some work for Western games and smaller studios, yes. I think is what I'm trying to say. Smaller studios like Nintendo with her like quiet contribution to Age of Calamity there. I wasn't talking about that one. No, I know, but I actually <laughs> forgot about that. So that's also an interesting credit for her. She's everywhere. Yeah. That's what I like. Like, she leaves her mark on a lot of like these um, big, well-known entities. And when you hear what her contribution is, you're like, that's awesome. And if you, you know, we said at the beginning of this episode, right at the top, if you don't know her name, you probably still have heard and enjoyed her music. So hopefully now you know her name and you're more likely to pick out, you'll, you know, you'll be playing some great game and hear some crazy arrangement of something. You'll be like, Huh, I wonder if that's Kumi Tanioka. <laughs> then you can go look it up and find out because it might well be. It could be. You hear someone jamming on a piano. Yeah. All right. So we are eventually closing out with an interesting bonus track here from someone. But before we do that, we should talk about what is coming next on Rhythm Encounter. Um, so like I said at the beginning, we did we did push this back a little bit for an episode on Elden Ring. But we are shifting the schedule a bit so we actually are going to get back on track because we're going to have a little bonus episode on april 1st for reasons <laughs> i'm not saying anything about it um just saying it happens on april 1st um mm-hmm. on schedule um on our regular monday in two weeks we're finally doing an episode on the final fantasy pixel remasters um i've mentioned this several times because we were going to do it earlier actually we were going to do it late last year i think We've and then been waiting on six. We were waiting on six. And then I was so sure six was coming out. I know in, in one of the episodes, I was like, we're definitely not going to push this back. And it was like hours after we recorded we got- where they said, hey, that's coming out in February now. <laughs> so anyway, Oops. it's out. It's beautiful. And now that we have all six to choose from, we are finally doing that episode. So in two weeks, that is our episode. Isn't the song, I think we posted this on our social media. Isn't the song, the the aria in like seven languages it is mm-hmm. in seven languages actually it's incredible they they it's focused on that that's what everyone's talking about but it's like there's multiple tracks you know in and around the opera in that have vocals in all seven languages so right not just the aria yeah. the entire opera the maria and draco like 30 minute opera sequence i don't know if it's all of it but i know it's some of it i don't know i'll, I'll have to listen again but anyway so more final fantasy in two weeks and then something on april 1st and then after that um more final fantasy that's that's just how we meant to space that space those out more but whatever we're already planning on a final fantasy 13 episode after that so 
That is what's coming in mid-April. Is that is that the trilogy, yes. the Fabula Nova Crystallis trilogy? Yes. So um, not everyone has chosen their songs yet, but basically the rule is it can be from any of the three games. Yeah, There's a lot of good choices there. I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna be on that, but I'm just gonna real quick say that 13.2 is my favorite of the trilogy, both the game and the music. Absolutely. Me too. Which is surprising because that one has the least from Masashi Hamusu, who's like my all-time favorite composer. <laughs> but like he was barely there for 13.2, but he was the lead on 13 and did a fair amount for Lightning Returns. So yeah, I don't know what happened there, but uh, like Mitsudo Suzuki like stepped it up and Naoshi Mizuta. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a good episode. If anyone gets in there and takes Noel's theme from 13.2, then I'm removing them from the episode um i'm probably gonna pick that just spoilers yeah, the 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 kokia vocal track oh yeah yeah that makes me cry like every freak time. i'm getting chills just thinking yep. about it um anyway that's all we're talking about today we're obviously doing episodes after april 11th but that's what we have planned um we have those planned out and then you know other stuff coming after that um, if you have thoughts on this show, if you want to send us some feedback, um, if you have some favorite Kumi Tanioka songs of your own, you know, let us know. Uh, you can email the show at music at rpgfan.com. You can email me at mike at rpgfan.com. You can email Hillary. Oh, wait, do you want emails? What do you want? I mean, they can use Hillary at rpgfan.com. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Pat? I'm bad at checking my email. Well, that's my email. Any contact. What do you want? I, hi- I highly recommend anyone wants to talk to me. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Gameadactyl. Uh, if spelling that is a struggle, I think if you just go to RPG Fan and look at my profile, my like staff profile, it links to that Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. I know how you like spelling it out. Just go ahead and do it. All right. At the word game, G-A-M-E the letter o and then dactyl thank you like a pterodactyl (laughs) um yeah so remember that if whether you're listening to this on rpg fan or in your podcast app we do have the full track list and as many links as we can (laughs) you know if you want to buy any of these albums the ones that are available we have links we have links to our reviews so please check all that out um also as i continue to plug our other podcast make sure you also check out random encounter random encounter we post every opposite monday to rhythm encounter and that's about current games and current features and reviews and rpg fan and then every thursday we have retro encounter which is about older games and just a bunch of other stuff in between what did they just finish up um they did knights of the old republic knights yeah. of the old republic yeah oh what a great game and and really good insight from our from our retro team on that game as well. Um, yeah. If if you don't have time to play it yourself, which I hope you do, but if you don't, listening through um, their recording on Retro Encounter um, on their experience with the game uh, is a really great experience. Like if you haven't played it in ten years and you just want to relive it and think about the good moments and the interesting aspects of that game, like Retro Encounter, they do a great job. Mm-hmm. They do. So yeah. Knights of the Old Republic was recently, and the most recent, uh, posted, well, as of this recording anyway, was an episode on Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow. So, all worth listening to. I recommend it. Um, If you would like, if you enjoy this, uh, we would definitely appreciate if you could leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple, Google, or what have you. Um, Review, subscribe, whatever you can do helps us out. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for that. 
And that's it. We've reached the end. <laughs> Hillary has some kind of bonus track. I yes. think I know what it is, unless you change your mind. But what Tanioka song are we closing out with? So this is really making me wish that I listened to more Star Onions, because I think that would have been a good thing to bring on. But I chose another like, huh, this is Kumi Tanioka doing something that sounds more like standard fantasy RPG-ish, hmm. but with like a Norse twist this time. Uh, we're going to listen to a song from an RPG called Ragnarok Odyssey that she did the soundtrack for. Uh, we're going to listen to a track called Gaze Upon the World Tree. Nice. Ragnarok Odyssey. You got to love it. What a surprise. Yeah. I haven't heard this yet, so it's going to be new for me too. All right. All right. Hope you enjoy. Well, let us gaze upon the world tree and we will see everyone in two weeks. Thank you all for being here and thank you for listening. Yep. BRB visiting Drizil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I'm glad. I mean, that actually makes a little more sense than her just being like, yeah, I'll just do this one song. Yeah. Usually when they're near the end of an OST, that's sort of like a tip off. Yeah. Like, oh, these are the tracks we pulled from the previous games. Uh, hmm. Still have much to learn. I wish we'd had more time to do that. What? So thank you. Well, it's not that we didn't have time. I, just, I didn't think to no. look. So. Yeah, I didn't think to look till now either. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Okay. I won't kick myself on this. Kick yourself. Oh. It was my song. Yeah, don't you worry about a thing. All on me. Yeah, Mike sucks. Wait. (laughs) Not (laughs) that either. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I love you, Mike. Thank you. I love you too. Yeah.